G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's turn our attention to a great topic discussing differences between men and women. To know that there is difference has become a point of confusion for a modern conversation these days. For the Christian, these differences matter significantly, especially when we talk about how male-female differences play out in relationships and mainly in the context of marriage. Well, Peter Sorkier is back with us today. Peter is a former pastor, now a Christian therapeutic life coach who leads Peter Empowering You. Peter, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to see you and talk with you, Neil. Peter, you've got a blog out at the moment and you've got a play on words, Mm. hid in agenda, Uh, Mm. as in hidden agenda. What's what's the significance in your play on words here? Mm. Well, when you think about it, Neil, when we team up with another person, whether it be a work colleague or friend of the opposite gender or in marriage, there does seem to be a bit of a hidden agenda sometimes about what we can get away with, <laughs> what we would like to um, perhaps see in that relationship and work through things in that relationship. So sometimes when we talk about men and women, it's just a different viewpoint, a different reason for the relationship. So that's where the hidden agenda comes from. Well, this is interesting because uh, I guess we could be in the deep end very early in this conversation. Uh, do you think women have more hidden agendas than men do? <laughs> I'm glad you asked the question. <laughs> uh, look, yes. In, in a short <laughs> I think it's the way that the brain is constructed and wired. And this is what happens. Women see things in a whole 360 perspective and men are a little bit more linear and seeing one thing perhaps and and focused on one thing whereas women are focused on 10. So because women see a lot more there is a lot more going on and then therefore there is a lot more that they want to do or achieve or communicate or get through. So as a starting point then, how do you think uh, that different genders uh, relate to each other? And that might be a loaded question because relate to each other poorly or relate to each other well. How do you think we relate to each other? (laughs) That's another loaded question. Let's get them all out at the beginning. (laughs) Um, I think it's a challenge generally for men and women to relate because we think so differently. It does make a difference if you've had a lot of experience with the opposite gender. For example, if you've grown up with a lot of women, if you're a guy, if you're a young boy, and the opposite, if you're a girl and you've had lots of brothers, you seem to have a bit of a context and understand some of those differences. But if, like myself, you grew up in virtually an all-female household 
and then you are thrust out into the dating scene in the teens and 20s, you think, what on earth have I come across here? Um, so I think that this relating is a challenge, yes, generally. What is it you think that medical science is contributing into this space? And given that there's lots of confusion that people have even now around how do you define a woman? And the secondary question would be how do you define a man? But what are you seeing as the contribution in this space from actual real medical science? Mm. Well, medical science thought some time ago, let's go back 10 or 20 years, that the brains of men and women were quite similar. There were some differences that they noticed, but now with fMRI imaging, it's come of, of its own so that you can actually investigate what's happening in the brain in real time and see movement and see different areas lighting up. It's called fMRIs. So when you see these, you can put questions and thoughts and see what's to people and see what areas light up so what they are finding is that women's brains light up more in more areas with the same topics compared with men so what they are now saying is that okay women's brains are quite different to men's brains they do function differently so that's fairly recent it's very interesting isn't that it is very interesting, and I guess understanding a little bit of this, uh, being wired differently, obviously understanding something of the different wiring actually helps you to overcome the obstacles when you are in the dating scene or you're in a marriage context and you're wondering why things aren't working so well. Getting some of these things right has got to be a foundation, hasn't it? Yes, and it is a foundation, and if you don't have that knowledge, if you don't have that understanding as a result, then you don't understand why the other person is reacting to things that you had no knowledge about in terms of setting them off, triggering them. Um, of course, family of origin plays a part in that, but the male-female differences does play a huge part, definitely. So if we understand there is a difference, that's a big way to accepting that there are differences. So for myself and my husband, who you have met, so you know him, yep. Um, yep. we first got together. Um, he did have lots of sisters and lots of brothers, but I only had women. So there was a bit of a, a bit of conflict going on there because I thought, why isn't he understanding this? And he was thinking, what's wrong with her? She's seeing things that aren't there. But in fact, what's happening is that women see this 360 view, men have the linear, so there's just an understanding difference. But once he and I worked out that, hey, we think differently, we understand things differently, that helped us a lot. I guess when you talk about the context of your siblings, as you grew up with just sisters and some have grown up with a mix and so therefore they have a little extra advantage because they get to know how others think, it does create something of a real challenge, doesn't it, when you don't have a mother and father together? Because if, you're, if you're, yeah. your siblings are all sisters, at least if you have a father, you've got some sort of a male interaction there. That's right, absolutely right. And we are supposedly, people have said, the fathers in the fatherless generations. So there are a lot of families without fathers. So a lot of boys are growing up without fathers to know how to react with women. And 
a lot of women, young girls are growing up without fathers. So what is the difference? There's no difference. They're just boys and we're girls. So yes, it does have a, a, a big impact and it is changing the face of society, Neil, in terms of the fatherless generation. So if previously there was research that thought that there were more similarities than differences, uh, but now there's a change in the more recent brain science uh, saying that they are quite different. How do we identify what those different things are? Mm, mm. How do we identify those different things? Well, we can see that there are some areas that light up under certain topics in fMRIs. So we might look at some of those topics that are uh, how we relate to the opposite genders, how we um, temper our emotions, uh, how we think about certain topics, what areas light up, um, how we think about family, how we think about sex, how we think about nurturing, how we think about marriage. There's a whole lot of areas that women and men think differently and the brain science shows it. You've just got different things going on in the brain of <laughs> two different genders. Yeah. Uh, what about this thought that a man compliments his wife and a wife compliments her husband, uh, yeah. the two becoming one flesh and you've got a certain image of wholeness in that? Is that sort of an ideal? I mean, is this what happens when you get marriage right in a yeah. context of God? Yes. Look, I think that's a great point that you're making. And the Bible talks about, as you said, two becoming one flesh. And that is in a physical sense, obviously. Um, but also two becoming one is better than the one each. So we complement each other because we are so different. A woman has certain strengths in one area, a man has strengths in another or several other areas, and all together you've got this full gamut of strengths and attributes that you wouldn't have on your own. So it's a very powerful thing when you have a marriage that where two people are working together, understanding the differences, accepting the differences, and allowing for the difference. It, it really is a powerful force. So, Peter, as a therapeutic life coach, and uh, there are people who are participating in all sorts of online seminars and personal face-to-face -face groups, and they're looking to get things on track, they're looking to resolve some issues relationally, uh, how do you apply some of these thoughts? How do you apply even the biblical principle in a simple way to someone who's actually looking for some way to clarify or getting you know something out of the confusion where they've been to understanding what God's purpose might be in their marriage yeah look that's that's a great question I've worked with couples and you see two people come in who are grappling with all of this and how how do they get through the the mire of the troubles and how do they get to where they were when they started so um, how do you apply these things well you go back to the bible and look at what the bible says and it talks about in ephesians 5 where men are to love their wives and women are to respect and honor their husbands so if we start from that point it's a very good starting point is it easy no but is it necessary yes and look sometimes Neil, we, we can't do it on our own. We can't even do it with the Lord and with the Word. Sometimes we need another person to come 
and direct people and stand as a bit of an adjudicator or a bit of a referee, I don't know, stand on the side and see what's happening objectively and then bring some clarity into a couple. And, you know, I've worked with um, different couples from those couples that haven't worked out, but when that happens, when I work with couples and they haven't worked out at the end, it's because one of them has already left in their head generally. And I've worked with couples where they have come back together and to see the difference from a couple that sit on opposite ends of my couch and won't look at each other and call each other he and she to the other end of the time together when they're sitting close on the couch, they're speaking to one another and looking at one another and calling each other by their first name. So that is a process and sometimes it takes somebody outside to just give them that clarity bring the word show them where they're falling down show them where they're they've got strengths bringing those strengths in for the good of each other and then being a one complete whole unit it's very powerful in some sense what you're saying here is when we get married a husband and a wife and we might be told on our wedding day the two shall become one flesh, that there might actually be some training that goes hand in hand so that you can function together as one flesh. Would that be a fair enough way of saying this is not a time to just relax and expect that you've got it all together, but this is a point where you actually get ready to train through the rest of your whole marriage? Yes. And how much time and effort do we put into the wedding day? How many hours, how many dollars do couples do Uh, spend and then not spend any time on how to be married now in some christian circles in many christian circles in fact churches run premarital counseling which is i would recommend if anyone's listening to this and you're engaged or thinking about getting engaged it's absolutely imperative if you can do it to do some it's going to make a huge difference and i've just done a little bit of a um, anecdotal survey with some friends that did this and in fact my daughter did this and and so did my son with their their husband and wife they did all this premarital stuff in a church environment where they looked at the bible they my son and his now wife even did a questionnaire to see if they were suitable for each other um and they were thankfully Uh, (laughs) interestingly enough the the youth pastor in that church and his fiance also did it, and they were not suitable, and so they didn't go ahead. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> um, so when you do this training, it really makes a difference because you do learn there that, hey, we are different, we do react differently, and we do have to accommodate for those differences in marriage, and we do have to work towards um, a better together a better togetherness. Mm. Well, Peter, you have a blog on this very topic and I'll point listeners to how they can connect with you directly at peterempoweringyou.com. peterempoweringyou.com. You've written a couple of books, Unfrazzle and Redazzle, and another one called Inquisitive, a reflective journal finding meaning in the middle of your mess. And you're also able to offer for listeners today the Unstuck and Empowered video course uh, where the first unit is free and I imagine that listeners can connect with you around any of those at peterempoweringyou.com. So peterempoweringyou.com. Peter, let's talk again very soon. Thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. You're very welcome, Neil. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.